Listener Production. Shares. Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that is thankfully a little bit less expensive than it used to be. Or maybe just didn't get more expensive by the same sort of amount. That might be an inflation conversation. That might be a conversation I have with the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Andrew Page, Esquire. Mr. Page, how are you this fine, well, morning slash afternoon? Yeah, I'm, I'm very good. I'm very, I'm exceptionally good, actually. So um, ha- happy to be here. Inflation to talk. is falling. Prices are therefore going down, right? As you'd like to point out, that's the same uh, thing. <laughs> don't trigger me. I'm just getting poor at a slower rate. So that's, you know, <laughs> exactly. but I'll take it, you know. You know exactly. if, I'm, if I'm hitting my head against a brick wall every minute and that's reduced <laughs> to every two minutes, I guess that's a win. I guess it's a win. <laughs> it only hurts when you stop, mate. Um, <laughs> you are, of course, the managing director and founder of strawman.com, which is a, um, what's well, a private online investment club. I, I, we don't need to do the jokes. I, we've, I made a hey! new resolution. We'll, we'll, we'll go with You're it sticking for now. Sticking to it. I'm proud of you. New year, new month too. Can I, can, I, can I do the old man thing and say, where did January go? We're 12th away through yes. the year. Like it was yesterday, it was New Year's Eve, and now we're, you know. It's amazing. I'm, I'm still getting past oh, the fact, it, you know, that the, the 2023 just raced by. Um, <laughs> I did tweet yesterday or the day before, and I talked about last year, meaning 2022. And someone said, do you mean 2022? I was like, oh, yeah, I, yeah, I guess yeah. what I mean. Yeah, okay. Yes, yes. It's yeah. all, uh, yes, I'm getting it's on. It's pretty, pretty, pretty scary. Um, and it's, it's, it's well and truly, I mean, different people that take time off at different points, but it yeah. is really in the lead up to Christmas and then for <laughs> yeah. up through to Australia Day, it's just the, the country just sort of seems, you know, it's putting in half an effort. <laughs> we sort of float along the breeze, really, don't we? Yeah, like, you know, and, and I think even those who are back at work, you're not mm. fully back at work and- um, unless you've got one of those real jobs that matters, but if you're like us and you've <laughs> got right, these yeah. pretend jobs, if you're a doctor jobs, or uh, you know you're building a bridge or something, you're probably, you're probably hopefully constrained doing your job. But yeah, absolutely, you know. Yeah. Um, but if you're in PR or real estate or finance, like we are, we're <laughs> not really doing anything anyway. So, um, but but yeah, it's it feels it feels as like things are getting busy. We've mm. got. Uh, earn, well, yes. Uh, quarterlies uh, for the smaller companies have all had to come out before the end of the month, so that's yep. been busy. And now, before the end of February, mm-hmm. companies that report on a, a on a financial year basis have to have their half yearlies out by the end of Feb. So they'll start dribbling out. Um, yeah. and, and we've already gone through a little bit of what they call confession season, which is when the uh, the bean counters realise. We're going to miss our guidance. And we, <laughs> we need to fess up to the market. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And that's, uh, yes, well, I mean, that's it, right? We're in February. This is earnings season month. Uh, by the way, there's nothing that, I've said this before, but so our listeners know if you haven't listened before or maybe you've forgotten since last time, there's nothing that says they can't start before now. Just yes. the reality, the, you have to report within two months of the end of the financial year or the financial half. You could do it on the next day if, if you had your, your, your records in order and your press release is ready to go. Um, the reality is it just doesn't, it tends to take a month or so at least to happen. So early yeah. season doesn't really officially start in February other than that's kind of when things start, as you say, dribbling out, mate. But they are absolutely all due. If they have a December 31 balance date, they're all due by February 28. We have, I don't know if we've discussed this before. The penalty is the ASX will suspend your shares if you don't. Oh, so it's it, kind of like it's it not happens just a, every, yeah, every it year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's you know well we say that you have to do it. It's like well you have to, but like, no, you actually really have to. Otherwise, you really have to do it. Like it, it take. That, I mean, the 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 cutoff was thirty one uh, December, right? Yeah, so it's yeah. you've got two months to prepare the financials. I've always been. It's always been a um, as a heuristic, a little bit of a tell 
I think the closer a company releases its <laughs> results to the cutoff, the worse yeah. the results are going to be. Good results get released pretty quickly. So mm-hmm. it's a week, week and a half, two weeks out. You'll start, yeah, here's our, here's our results. Yeah, if it's yeah. like, you know, five o'clock on the last day and you still haven't heard, it's like, they're really- <laughs> It's not good. They're not, they're not going to be yeah, good numbers. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. I, I, I also, with one caveat made on that, which is just some companies do release at the same time every year anyway. That's and true. So it's, if they That's change- true. That's going to be mindful of if last year it was out on the 12th of February and this year it's the 28th and you're still waiting. Uh, right. Yeah, be, be a little be a little concerned because they're yeah. probably not going to give you good news. Uh, it also is that for what it's worth, not just preparing the financials and all the appropriate regulatory statements, but the auditors have to have done their thing as well. Yes. So that adds some time. It's not just a company saying, well, hang on, I've, I've pressed the I pressed the go button and all the year-end calculations happen and I, I printed out and, and sent it to the ASX. Um, this commentary has to be written. Uh, companies don't have to produce presentations, but they do because they yeah. like to spin these things. But most importantly, probably, is the auditors have to have looked at all the numbers. Uh, and it goes, once I say the numbers, that they're actually supposed to look at things like sample invoices. Like it's, you know, a good auditor doing their job is really worth their weight in gold because the, the processes they're supposed to go through, and I've been in businesses where they actually do this. So I know that it's as cynical as you want to be sometimes about some auditors, and that's probably justified. Um, the work they're, they they're, they're good people, aren't they? I mean, we've we've had Be no nice. nothing in the media that would suggest that there's anything <laughs> untowards that goes Be on. Be nice, Be nice. Uh, but no, you're no, you're right. There are, there are absolutely there are dodgy things happening. Absolutely and for sure. All, all, I, all I want to say was just the process of auditing is actually quite yep. detailed. I remember I've worked for businesses where the auditors have called me and said, hey, we need this thing or where's that thing or, you know, um, should give us evidence of that or when did you change that or can I have an invoice for the this customer on this date so I can mm. prove that what's in the in the accounts is actually what you sent them. So, yeah, they if they, again, if they're doing their jobs properly and as you rightly say, mate, uh, you might mention Enron in passing, um, <laughs> the uh, the auditors do tend to stuff up and there's, yeah, there's bad eggs everywhere but... The, the audit process, I just wanted to make the point, does take some time because it's not just a case of show yes. me the printouts, I'll, I'll make sure the numbers still add up. Yeah, they do. Okay, let's go. Yes. Um, it's bank accounts and it's invoices and it's customer conversations and all that kind of stuff. So, Can I ask you this question? Yes. Have, oh, well, I'm sure you have seen, how how often have you seen a auditor push back and not sign off on the, on the numbers or at least mm-hmm. are, are forced to make clarifications where there are concerns? So that's a really good question, mate. Businesses I've worked at, auditors have expressed concerns or wanted to have things formalized or they have disagreed actually with the accounting treatment in some cases. Mm. So they've said, you're using this accounting treatment for this invoice, just to pick a, a random example. Uh, we don't think it should be the case. We think you should do this instead. Mm. And so we've had the conversation with them. And in some cases, I know the accounting treatment has been changed. Uh, because the auditor has raised a, raised a question. And it's rarely, I've, I've never, I, I can absolutely have a hand on heart, I've never been in a situation with an auditor where the company I've worked for has done something deliberately dodgy. The auditor's just said, no, we think, we think the accounting standards require this. And the CFO or the financial controller said, well, actually, we did it this way because of this. And the auditor's saying, well, actually, this is the rule, so we need you to change it. Or okay. I, think, okay. I think in more than one occasion, we've had a conversation, I think the company ended up making its case and, and was able to convince the auditor that the treatment was correct for the, for the correct reasons. So yeah, absolutely, Matt, all the time. Um, th- there's, there's ongoing conversations. Uh, I'm not, uh, I, I've been at businesses. I'm a non-executive director. And we've had conversations in, in, that, in that forum as well uh, on, on the same sorts of things, just, just questions mm. about, hey, we think the standard says this, we think the standard says that, let's have a conversation. Or mm. where the auditor said, hey, we need you to say this or do this. Not, not say it as in, you know, again, nothing, nothing untoward or dodgy, at least not in my experience, but that sense of for this to be really complete, it should have this in it. Or, and, yep. and occasionally we've gone to the auditors and said, actually, you've said this, 
we think it's that. And so it's, there, there is a there is a back and forth. And you're absolutely right, man. In your cynicism, there are times when I'm sure auditors are convinced or pushed or bullied or whatever. Um, I'm also, you know, th- there is a there is a reality. I mean, Warren Buffett famously at the top of his press releases says, "Here's the accounting numbers, but ignore them effectively." Yes. Yeah. Um, not because not because the accounting numbers are wrong, because they don't always show the real realities of the business in any meaningful cash flow sense or value sense. And so um, yes. it, it's, you know, it, you need to get the language right and then and then interpret it appropriately. And that, I've definitely been part of those conversations for sure. Yeah, that is, um, well, never never ask the barber if you need a haircut, I guess mm-hmm. is a place here. If you, if you yep. want to be hired again uh, next That's year. That's a hard thing, right? Yeah, yeah. You don't want to be, if you are too difficult, it's like, oh gosh, I just need the sign off, right? So there's, there's, there's that incentive that's in play. Again, this is not to be too conspiratorial. There are certain <laughs> rules and penalties, so I'm sure Correct. most most people do the right thing. But it is, it is something that's there, and you do notice as well. I've seen, as, as someone who follows small and micro cap companies, they often have a, a small little auditing firm, you know, <laughs> in Perth or something, yeah. perfectly capable people do the right thing, et cetera. But they get to a certain size and they almost invariably switch to one of the big four. Mm. And why is that? Is the other firm incapable of, of, of doing the work? No, but, but there is a perception, rightly or wrongly, I think wrongly, yeah. that if you want to be taken seriously, you must have one of the big accounting firms uh, do the audit for you, yep. uh, which is a little bit of a shame because it is a consolidation of market power and, and influence and the rest of it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what you do about that, but it's just I think it's just a comment to note. I'm mindful that we're well off the agenda we set ourselves. But <laughs> we're always I, off the agenda. Mate. I did want to ask you this as well because you kind of touched on it there with mm-hmm. Buffett. Mm-hmm. These days, it feels when I say these days, it's sort of been a trend that's in place for a while. But um, I think. I'm guilty of this too. The first thing I read is the press release and then there's almost always a presentation, a slide deck that yeah. comes with the results yeah, yeah. where the company highlights to you the non-formal um, uh, language. They'll use terms like EBITDA <laughs> and stuff. Or, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm in two minds about it. And that's, mm. that's why I'm interested to see what you think. On one hand, it's like Buffett where it's like, well, look, there are – there are certain rules that mean we have to report it like this and for good reason. Yeah. But if he calls it like the look through numbers, is that, yeah. that his yeah. term where, yes. where it's just like, this is like, um, whether we own 20% or 15% or 30% of a business will, will impact how those numbers get reported. So I'm just going to report mm. to you how it would be if we just owned all of these businesses outright, and then we'll just proportionally sort of account for it. And it's really helpful to do that. The downside of that is, is that companies can misdirect you if they yeah. want to. It's like, well, look at our ARR or look at the, <laughs> our, our earnings before interest tax oh. and every other thing that we want to Correct. exclude. BS and it'll tell- as Charlie called it, yes. BS earnings, right? Yeah. And it tells yeah. this really great story. So I'm sort of stuck between this. Well, I do appreciate a more like, a, mm. a, uh, speak to me in English here. Like, what's the story <laughs> that I need to know versus the yeah, ability yeah. to massage the narrative? Yeah. What do you think? Oh, such a good question, mate. I, um, I, I think we try to categorize and um, formalize everything. And rules are made for lowest common denominator because they have to be, right? Um, don't murder doesn't mean anything short of that's okay. You know, yeah. the, the, the idea of, I know there are other laws about injury, don't get me wrong. 
you know what I mean? You put the rules in place, so right, okay, uh, you can't go more than 100 k's now. You know, on, on a bad weather yeah. day, go 80 because that just makes sense, right? Sure. Um, equally, could you go more than 120 sometimes if you're a really good driver in a great car? Probably, but the, it's 100 because it's 100 because that's just the right thing to do. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of the accounting rules. I think they are the least worst solution to most of these problems. Uh, they get changed too, by the way. Expensing of stock options, for example, was something that mm. companies never used to have to do in the financial statements because they could pretend it wasn't a cash charge and so we didn't have to account for it. So they change over time. I So I'm a big fan of those. Mm. I do think, though, that they are not necessarily great tools all the time for business analysts as opposed to financial analysts. Mm. And we are business analysts. Our job is to look at businesses and understand mm. what makes them tick. Mm. You mentioned ARR, or Annual Recurring Revenue. Um which can give a really nice view into the future earning potential of a company. What they're saying is, hey, we've signed some contracts. We won't mm. get the money for a couple of months or until next financial year, mm. but you should know it's there. I think that's really, really valuable. Yeah. Um, you know, is, is it a formal accounting number? No. Could those contracts be broken? Yes, of course. Yep. But it's a, it's a useful thing to have because it gives you a sense of what the business is looking like. I, but but so, so what it comes down to me is trust for me. You know, and and it's one of those things where we say, if you made, and Buffett said the same on a whole lot of things, right? He presents numbers and says, here's what the accountants say we should do. I'm fully supportive of doing it, but also remember it doesn't tell you the whole story. Or the the ridiculous rules about director independence that almost no one at Berkshire is classified as an independent director. And somehow the corporate governance people would say, you've been there too long. You've got too much of your money invested in this company. You're not not independent. It's like, well, what do you want? Do you want the fly-by-night rent-a-director who's technically independent because they get their director's fees and nothing else? Or do you want someone who's got millions and millions and millions of dollars invested in this thing, the bulk of their family wealth? Who do you want running the show, you know? I'll Um, take the latter any day. Right? And so- Any day. But but, but it comes down to trust because you can have someone who's got all their wealth in the company who therefore just wants to pump the share price to make themselves richer and then sell it at your expense at some future time. Yep. And that, so those, you know, the same people or the same types of people with the same shareholding and the same sorts of companies can still act very, very, very differently. Yes. Um, and so I, it's a really good question, mate, and I, I appreciate you asking it because um, I, know, I know you probably know my thoughts already, but it's, it's a useful conversation because it comes down to whether you trust the people. And it really, can, can you know for sure? No. Yeah, uh, but you're going to give Buffett a whole lot of rope, right? Yep. Uh, you're going to give some other new tech promotional CEO who's just trying to raise some money a lot less rope because they don't have the track record. Their incentives are different. They are in a very, very different space. Not to say that person won't end up being the next Buffett potentially. They could very well be, but if they're not, uh, you shouldn't be surprised. So that just that kind of idea of working out where we go from. With that is you start with the accounting rules because they're important. And the other thing about accounting rules is it gives you an apples for apples comparison. Mm-hmm. You pick up a, a statement, look across any company, in any industry and say, I know how revenue is treated. Yep. I know what EBITDA means, even if the answer is BS earnings, as Charlie Munger said. I know what NPAT looks like. I know how interest expense needs to be dealt with. I know what capitalizing software looks like. You can do those things knowing the rules. And then you say to yourself, okay, do I believe the person in charge of doing this for the right reasons? And you have to have some experience, frankly. If you're a new investor, it's really hard to do. But you want to have been around the block enough times, mate, to look at someone and go, you know what? If you're someone who's not going to try and kill the lily, if you're going to call it straight, if you're going to do the right things, if you've got a track record of of you know, conservative ongoing management, I'm pretty sure I can trust you, or at least have a, a decent chance I'm better off trusting you than not. Yeah. I don't have to just rely on the numbers. If you, though, want to not rely on the numbers and you can't trust management, just know you're taking a much, much bigger risk. In that context, Matt, it's about Buffett. You do spend longer at the smaller end of the market where there are often, not always, but often younger companies. 
How, how do you how do you deal with that from a oh. you know from an investing perspective? Given you can't necessarily look at track records for these people or work out yeah. how much trust to put in them. Yeah, I, I think it. You kind of touched on it. There's there's two things. I mean, one for me is really important is consistency. I don't mind mm. if you use a non-standard measure. You know, if you feel it it conveys important information to understand the business. Mm. You know, ARR is the classic or ACV, annualized contract value, as yes. others. There's yes. all there's all different ones that are out there. Um, there's a company, um, well, I'll mention it, Pointera, right? Mm. They went from $0.04 cents to $0.90 cents and back to $0.04 cents again. And it's a really interesting little business. But the the thing that, I, that they did is they had – they had some timing delays with big contracts and the rest of it, and they forever reported ACV, annualized mm. contract, and they stopped. <laughs> okay. Because it, it now we spoke to the CEO, and it's like, mm. well, it's because there were these delays, and then it didn't really tell the story and the rest of it. Mm. To my mind, that was a mistake because in trying to protect, probably for the best of reasons, to protect the image of the business, you actually undermined it. So even though the numbers would have looked bad, I would have preferred that you kept reporting them yes. and then explain why, you know, well, what considerations you think an investor should make around that. So that's that's always something that sticks in my craw is that, oh, we, hey, look, it's all about this. This is the number you need to look at. Oh, actually, we're not reporting. Now we're reporting this. It's like, well, it, you always switch to the one that tells the better story. The one that has the chart that goes bottom left, top right, <laughs> right. that's the metric you're going to use. Yes, yes. So, yes. so that's, a, that's, a, that's a bit of a yellow flag. Mm. The, the other one um, would, would just be, uh, uh, I, I suppose it's, it's, it's the recognition that, and not this is going to sound conspiratorial, but they will always want to present the best story. Yes. There yep. is huge incentive to do that. We yep. want candid management. Yeah. But I mean, you or I will be in that position. We still want to no. tell the, the best story possible. In fact, the board will get rid of you if you're not. If you're out there and you only talk about the negatives, it's like, what are you doing, Scott? For goodness <laughs> sakes. You know? Exactly. We'll we share price look after here. Yeah. You know, yeah. be, be, be honest, be open. Yeah. But, yeah. but goodness, there are positives here as well. But, but I'm always, when I'm reading these things, because I'm a sucker for a good story. And if I own shares in the company, I, mm -hmm. I and I will put it out there, every single human being, unless you are a robot, you know, you, you, will, you, will, you will want the good story. You will gravitate towards it. It is so much easier to convince, something is good, convince someone that something is good when you already think it is good. So I think when you're reading these, these presentations and that, mm -hmm. just keep in the back of your mind that they are designed to tell the best possible story. <laughs> That's right. And, Can I? And that, okay. Yeah. Just temper, just, temper, just temper your enthusiasm a bit. Try, and, right, try, and, try, and, try and almost take the opposite side just, just for the sake of it, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm devil's advocate. Okay, what, what a, what, if I wanted to be negative on this, I'm in the debating team at school and I've been given the negative here. So I've got to find a negative argument for it. Go out and try and intentionally construct one and that'll help keep you in check. Yeah, I like that a lot, mate. And I think it's, I, I'll throw the other side, not the other side of it, but I, it's all about balance, right? Here's the mm. other problem. We want to believe. I think you have to want to believe to be an investor because the alternative is you're always cynical and skeptical. Yes, you never you invest in anything, anything because, right, or, or everything's bad or everything's a worry yep. or, you know, and I think that's, I see so many people on, on Twitter, God love them. And I, I put the, you know, uh, we haven't put this in the agenda, but the market hit an all-time high this week, the ASX. Yep. And yep. headlines about it and CBA tweeted about it. I jumped on one of the CBA or Comsex tweets. Uh, and, and it was just, you know, 
they are they say, oh, the market's at an all-time high. Now, you have said before, and I've said before, we've said before, uh, when you include dividends, the market's been at an all-time high for a long time, right? And so I, I posted about that. Oh, well, markets... And someone said, oh, well, you got to adjust for inflation. And someone else said, oh, yeah, well, it won't stay like that. And someone else said, oh, it's a dud. And it's kind of like... It's, it's kind of one of those things that if you can literally look at a market at an all-time high and find a negative... Yeah. You know, those people are probably not investors, I would assume, and yeah. they don't have to be. And I'm not here to tell them everyone should be. But yeah. if you look at the history of, of markets, being pessimistic is so incredibly expensive because <laughs> you miss out on so much opportunity. The people who say, oh, it's a terrible market, whatever, have been saying for 30 years, which as our regular listeners will know, the Vanguard chart says the market went up 13-fold, 13 times in value. Not 13%, yes. not 130%, 1,300%, up 13 times in value. Well, people said, oh, well, the market this, the market that, interest rates this, sovereign debt that, fiat currency this, geopolitical yep. risk that, China <laughs> yeah. this, Russia that. Yeah. You know, and it's one of those things, and we, I know we say it a lot, but- It climbs a wall of worry is the right? same, right? And, yeah. and if you, But if you're going to be a pessimist, if you, go, if you look at that and literally go, oh, yeah, well, but, 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 I, I, it, it just, I mean, you're probably not listening to this podcast right now. If you are, you probably hate listening. And if you are, thank you, because at least it helps our, <laughs> helps our listens. So thank you for making us a bit more popular. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just, it, yeah, be, as you say, mate, be skeptical, absolutely. But don't be cynical. Um, look for, look for disconfirming evidence to make sure you're right. Yep. But also don't be, don't be, don't be pushed out of every possible investment just because it might go badly. Every investment literally might go badly by definition. That's why you're not getting cash in the bank type returns, right? Yes. Every business, every management, every category, every sector, every whatever, there are risks. There are going to be. It's why you diversify. It's why you add regularly. It's why you dollar cost average. All those things are important and real for exactly those reasons. So I just wanted to throw that on the on the back of what you said, mate. Just to, I, I'm absolutely the skeptical guy. I started by talking about exactly that, um, but also look for. I'll say verifiable. Nothing's nothing's absolute or guaranteed. But look for verifiable reasons to believe and to trust. Because uh, if you can do that, you know, trust but verify, as they say. If you do that, again, you'll still be wrong sometimes, right? Buffett could end up being the biggest crook in the world. He dies and we think, wow, that's another Bernie Madoff. How did that happen? It's not going to happen, yeah. by the way. But, you know, yeah. could it happen? Of course it could happen. Yeah, possible. Um, Right. Uh, well, so, I mean, so, you, know. you have to give credit for like that is the best. Yeah, like you really played that scam like a <laughs> yeah. fiddle for like fifty plus years. That's like, right. That's right. That, oh, you know what? You just, you know, yeah. What else can you do except applaud? You know, really, like wow. Tell, tell you what, just quietly, if you, if, if uh, I, you know, if if your buffer ended up being a crook, you'd go. Ah, well played. If yeah. Charlie ended up being a crook for 50 years, be, being the curmudgeonly whatever he is, and actually turns out he was the whole time playing this really impressive game. I mean, we talk about, well, I talk about Trump being performance art. Man, Munger would take the cake. If you can, oh, if you can be Munger and preside over a scam 50 years, I, all, all credit to you. Chef, chef kiss. Mwah. Yeah. Yeah, no. um, yeah, the only other, oh, that's excellent points you made. The, the only other point mm. I will make, just with what you said there with, with uh, markets at all-time highs, it's very counterintuitive, but market, as we know, who knows, forget the future. Let's just go yeah. with the past because it's yep. fact. Generally gone bottom left, top right. Mm -hmm. Wobbles along the way, definitely. <laughs> but but you would, if I forget the exact number, and it, uh, but it's very high. It's something like 90% of the time you are below a previous high. Yeah. So- it, it, yes. it, it messes with your head. Even <laughs> yeah, if you want right. to take like Amazon or uh, something that's, you know, gone to the moon, right? It sort of, it has these big run-ups where it's carving out new record highs. And it's like, mm -hmm. wow, this feels great. And then it has these pullbacks and it'll sit there for a little while. And then it'll go, it, it sort of goes forward in fits and starts mm. and it messes with your head. So I was, um, 
I was looking at PlaySide the other day. They're a, a company that makes computer games. Uh, listed on the ASX um, mm-hmm. uh, disclosure. I own some shares in it. Anyway, they had a they had it's, it's a very volatile stock, right? And so you could have gone back to July last year, and it cracked forty cents a share. Now in March, it was thirty cents a share. So that's a thirty three percent run up. And think that is fantastic. Then it got to right. fifty five, and then it got back to forty later. Now mm-hmm. in ju- middle of July, <laughs> in the middle of August, the share price was forty cents. Yeah. In the middle of July. I felt like a genius. In the middle of August, I felt like what's gone wrong? And uh-huh. it, it's the same company. It's yep. the same share price, right? <laughs> and and now it's 70, well, it's, it's well above 70 cents, right? It's mm-hmm. like, w- w- pan out, pan out here, right? Like things, things are rarely going to be at a record high. And uh, I'm with you on this. And when they are there, celebrate the wins, right? Because they are the exception of the rule. Vast, vast majority of the time, even on a... Cr- stonking winner you were going to be you're going to be below the the recent high or previous high and sometimes Mm. by a lot and sometimes for a long time yeah yeah exactly motley fool money for more subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener let's move on uh should we get to the agenda start the agenda exactly there well you know I, surprisingly, our listeners will be surprised to know we don't strictly stick to something. Um, we have an agenda at all. <laughs> well, there's that. It's the other side of it. Let's talk about the economy for a second because inflation came out this week at a remarkable 4.1%. I referred to it at the top of the show for a laugh just to, uh, just to wind you up at the beginning. Um, uh, yeah, prices are still increasing at too fast a rate. And as you say, getting poorer a little bit less slow than we were last quarter. But... <laughs> But, but, but for all of that, for all of your cynicism, Mr. Page, um, <laughs> a, a very, very welcome 4.1%, um, less than the market was expecting. Uh, it down really quick. It's a 25 or 20 odd percent fall in the inflation rate. I can't, you can't do percentages of percentages, but you know the, the quantum of that reduction, 1.3 percentage points, I think, um, in a quarter is really, really, really impressive. Now, there are always two sides to this. Why is it falling so quickly? Because the economy is really struggling. So, you know, it is, it is a double-edged sword. You want to be careful what you wish for. That's why the IBS talked about the soft landing versus the hard landing. Yeah. Um, do I want it to fall fast? Yes. If it falls too fast, yeah, you know, it's like losing weight too fast, right? You end up in hospital if you're not careful. So there's, there's, a, there's a pace that makes sense and there's a pace that, that doesn't make sense. You don't want to stay fat for too long. Equally, you want to, you want to lose weight at a, at a healthy pace so that you don't jeopardize your health in doing so. Um, that's kind of where we're at right now. I it was interesting too. Um, clothing and furnishings, I think, I think I'm right to say, were negative. In other words, prices actually did fall. It was cheaper to buy uh, those things in the December quarter than the quarter before that, which is a heck of a thing, possibly because of Black Friday sales impact and lots of discounting. But equally, why is that happening? Well, because retailers are working really hard for our business because uh, the, there's a bit of a buyer strike given the cost of uh, inflation itself, but also interest rates being high. And those are ultimately the very discretionary kind of items. So I, I just thought I thought it was a really, really good set of results, mate. As, as you say, 4.1%, still way too high. Um, the RBA wants 2 to 3%. The RBA's forecast is the end of 2025 for that number. I I mean, they can, they can engineer whatever they want, right? They're in charge of money. But um, <laughs> I would suspect that's a too pessimistic a view uh, just, just based on the trend at the moment. Again, it could jump back up because prices could go back up, oil in particular, um, other, other goods. We could have weather impacts and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know, mate. Other, other, than, other than the cynics, hard to see too much bad in those numbers out this week or am I, uh, am I being too generous? 
No, I mean, look, it's it's going in the right direction. That's absolutely um, what you want to see. Um, it, it is it is encouraging. Um, I do. I mm. I I think that we all of us struggle with the maths, though. I mean, four <laughs> percent doesn't sound like much, but compounded. I've just done it on a calculator. <laughs> so uh-huh. com- compounded over ten years, and you lose half your purchasing power. So it's way too high. You know, mm. the target in the US is two percent. So it's it's double what they consider mm-hmm. appropriate, and uh, you know, call our midpoint target two and a half percent. And again, mathematically, you go two and a half percent. That's a low number. Four percent. That's also a low number. Right. Yes, yeah. I'll, I'll take the lowest number possible. But <laughs> but you know, yeah. Is, yeah. is this the end of the world? The prices are going up four percent. But it's a it's a water torture phenomenon. Um, yes. Inflation. It's and this is this is why it's so pernicious. It just it is so. It's hard to notice on the day to day, and then one day you wake up and you go and buy something. It's like, mm. how much? And I think old the older you get, the more you struggle with it because you've got the experience of like you know when I was a kid, you know I used to buy an ice cream for fifty cents, and now it's like seven dollars. <laughs> it's outrageous, yeah, and it right, is, right, you right. know I was like, well, you know, grandpa, that that was forty years ago. Like what? <laughs> you, even under benign conditions, that kind of stuff is 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 going to happen. So, mm, mm. so I'm not trying to be negative for the sake of it, other than just yeah, to yeah, sort totally. of say that I'm really I'm with you. I'm glad it's yeah. moving in that direction. Um, I think products. It's interesting when the when you look at the breakdown, it's the mm. services part that is sticky, and yes, it's yes, exactly. It's, it's and that's harder to get down. Products are easier, and it makes sense. In a lot of ways, because particularly when a lot of the inflation was caused by those supply chain disruptions mm, and mm, mm. COVID and, you know, factories and stuff closing down. But you turn the machines back on, the boats start, you know, floating again and mm, mm. And, and we're, we're back. That, that's economics doing its or capitalism doing its thing. You, you will get that supply shock, which caused the price up, and mm. then you'll get the supply response, which, which, which uh, fixes it. Services is a little bit different because mm. we all feel it with these for whatever was the impulse originally, um, where possible, we we ask for, for for more money. And in many cases, we have gotten it, uh, which is really good for some segments of the economy, others perhaps less so. But but we've all gotten a pay rise or expect more to compensate it for the inflation that has already happened. Remember, this is all backward correct, stuff. Correct. It, yeah, it has yeah. happened. And so there's a lag effect there. And so because our pri- we're all putting our own prices up, well, that means the person that we provide our services to is 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 feeling that inflation as well. So it's a mm. bit of a spiral that that can happen there. I think that's going to be stickier. We we when we've talked about this before, my personal view is that we're always going to get past the peak of seven percent. Like that that was going to yeah. be fixed. Yeah. I still think we'll it will will be a while before we get comfortably back in into that two to three percent range. Mm-hmm. Who knows though? I say that in full recognition of yeah. who knows. So here's here's some other things just to think and just just mm-hmm. to balance it out, right? So there's some serious wars happening in the world right now, mm. uh, uh, escalating. If anything, I don't think they're getting better. Um, that's having Im- that's potentially having big impacts on things like oil, which is yeah. the base of the entire economy. The price of, of energy goes up. It, it affects it affects everything. Yeah, you've also got you know um, naval blockades uh, and and that kind of stuff with ships having to go further around. 
You've also got very high chance of a Trump presidency in the US, which is only uh, uh, trying to avoid that topic other than to say it's a total wild card, right? Like, oh, who knows? Who knows I mean, what's tr- going to happen? Trump, Trump 1.0 was, was random. Trump 2.0, nothing to lose and no, no other term possible is a whole different potential uh, and, kettle of fish. And, right? and, and the only lesson learned is, huh, so I can do pretty much anything and mm-hmm. get away with it. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it, mm. it is something that I think we should celebrate. It's good. It's going in the right direction. But you've got to be, you know, the price of, what is it? The price of peace is eternal vigilance kind of yes, thing. And right. maybe the same can be said here with, in, with inflation. Yeah, I would I'll be totally. worried if the pollies start going, hey, look, problem solved. Let's move on. It's like, no, 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 no. You've got to stay on top of this. Correct. Right? correct. Um, but yeah, glad it, glad it's, glad it, is, it is heading down. Yeah. It's, um, although, yes, although, it's although gone, sorry, one, one gone, other thing, gone. one other thing is here's the- uh, it breaks your brain a little bit. Yeah. So in in the US overnight, the Federal Reserve had their interest rate decision. Yeah. We'll get ours next week. Yeah. Um, and they 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 kept it on hold, but they said some stuff that basically said I think the market was at the start of the year in the US forecasting six rate cuts or up to six rate cuts, like quite aggressive cuts. And now they're saying no, they won't. There won't be as as many, and largely because mm. we don't. Need to. That's right. Exactly. Right? Which and, is a good and, thing. Which is a good thing because uh, and the market's gone up, yep. sold off. Yeah, that's right. So you, you mean you mean that the economy is better than, than, mm-hmm. than we thought? No. And, and it, it makes sense because interest rates sort of set the price of money. It's a risk-free rate. It sets how you people mm. value companies and the rest of it. But it's, a, it's an interesting thing that we, we're sort of saying that, hey, look, inflation is under control. So, okay, no more interest rate rises, mm. but also unemployment is very low. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of numbers you can point at to say that mm. actually things are holding up pretty well. It's just I, I say all of this to warn listeners that despite all of that, even if you want to take the, posi- the, the positive view on it, the market reaction, at least in the in the short term, will probably be a counterintuitive one and and a negative one. I think that's right, and that's the challenge. And it's it's rates impact so many different people so differently, right? It's worth talking. Mm-hmm. You know, equity prices are one, which are both. You know, share prices are are, are a function of the maths that includes the interest rate. But also yeah. then talks to the profitability of those companies that have, may have debt on their books or cash on their books and getting a return on that. Uh, so there's there's wheels within wheels, as, as you might say. Mm-hmm. Um, so many different component parts of, of where the money goes and what it does. And as you say, why it's cut, uh, we should be a little bit careful about rates going down too fast. If, if it does, it means the economy's in some trouble, right? You can't go, well, hang on, that's not great. Um, so yeah, we want rates to come down a little bit. That'd be lovely for everybody with a mortgage. Um, if you've got savings in the bank, you probably don't want to come down at all. Uh, but in between there somewhere is, as you say, that, that soft landing that the RBA and other central banks are trying to desperately engineer, which is slow inflation without breaking the economy. Yep. Um, I, I will say I think that the soft landing path is, is wider perhaps now than it has been for a little while, mm-hmm. um, but not not exclusively because with the good news of inflation comes the, the bad news of retail sales. I mean, we saw retail sales earlier in the week were down 2.7% from Oof, memory. Yeah, it wasn't pretty. Uh, was for the month of December, yeah. right? Now, they're up 1.6% in November. The bases are different, so you can't just compare them directly and you can't do the math and subtract one from the other. No. Uh, but broadly but broadly speaking, um, the, the, the you know, you've, I, I really honestly, I think you've got to ignore December other than including it with November's numbers, look at year on year. And I did that numbers and it's up about half a percent, which is mm-hmm. bugger all. 
Um, mm. When you think inflation is probably 5% during that period and uh, population growth, I, I estimate about 2.2%, yep. So you go, hang on, well, actually we're buying, in terms of number of units per person, somewhere close to 7% fewer things. Yes. Um, just doing that very, very basic maths. And that's, that's absolutely real. Uh, so th- that's all happening at the same time. So yes, the economy is stuttering. It's what the RBA wanted to do to get inflation down. They realized that was the issue. We have said a million times that given the choice between recession and inflation, they'd take recession. Um, not they want it, but you know, if, if it came to it, they'll- Oh, no, 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 they take, they take inflation, right? No, they'll take a recession. You think they'd take it? Oh, no, yeah. I, I okay. disagree. I, I think I think recessions, I don't, well, I don't think any- I, except people above sixty really have an idea of what a recession is. Correct. We haven't. We haven't had one. I mean, no, it's, it one. rolls off the tongue. Yeah, you know, two yep, quarters yep. of negative growth. Rah, rah, rah. It's like what it means is that you yes. know, mum and dad don't have a job anymore, That's and right. there's a lot of financial. It's like a lot of financial stress. It is real world implications. And if you have, I'm not talking a depression, but even a nasty recession like we had in the early '90s. That was anyone who lived through that recognized how bad how bad that that was. And that is not good for politicians. Um, now, inflation's not good for politicians Oh, either. by the way, I'm, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about central banks, not politicians, by the way. So the, I, I'm, okay. I'm making that distinction. I think as politicians, you're right. They'll do anything to avoid a recession, including right. pumping 600,000 people into the country to make sure of it, um, right. he says in, in quotes. I think the central banks, uh, with with a slightly less populous need uh, to, to satisfy their own employment, would do different things. I think oh, they are I'm absolutely- with, okay. Yes, yeah, so uh, probably yeah. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> probably should give you ten percent inflation if it meant they could get, keep uh, keep the, the the economy in a plus zero point one percent growth mode. I absolutely, yeah. I think that's absolutely true. But I think central banks would no, they wouldn't. Once they prefer it, I think if it came to it, they would lean more heavily on contracting money supply or the you know increasing the cost of money, whichever way yeah. you want to kind of phrase it, to to slow things down. And if that tipped into if they had to choose between a setting that was slightly likely to cause a recession or more slightly likely to, to drive inflation higher, they'd absolutely push on the first button every day of the week. Yeah. I mean I, I guess we we differ a little bit in I think that there's more political influence with central banks than they let on. I mean Phil okay. Lowe lost his job. Right. Yes. He, he didn't lose his job because everyone yeah, loved right. what he was doing. Yeah, now, <laughs> yeah that's right. He, he said, I've got to put rates up and yeah. you know, I've got to do it very aggressively. One of the fastest yeah. tightening cycles ever. And he yeah. lost his job. Michelle Bullock is there going, lesson oh, learned. Lesson no, no, learned. But she did, that was the thing though. I, 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 I give Michelle Bullock five stars. Yeah. She, she yeah. came out the first week or two and said, we're probably going to have to put rates up. Things are pretty tough. She uh, can I say I, I I agree with you. Flo lost his job absolutely for political reasons. That is yeah. unavoidably true. Um, but and Bullock could have absolutely, as you say, gone okay. But like in the yeah, you know, US they choose their their Fed chairs. Yeah, you know, normally not from the bureaucracy. Normally from outside. Sometimes universities or business. That's absolutely their political appointments, right? Yeah. Um, I will give so Chalmers, in my opinion, did absolutely the wrong thing by by dismissing Lowe. Uh, I think he actually took a reasonably courageous decision to say, I'm going to get the same bureaucrat out of central casting who looks like yep. Phil Lowe, but not Phil Lowe, you know, Michelle Bullock instead. Yep. Um, but I'll give Bullock even more credit, mate. She absolutely came out literally week one or week two and just said, I'm going to keep doing what he did. And I yep. reckon that's that, that's pretty gutsy, right? Because she knows exactly what happened. Uh, and she, no, again, she may not do it, but the words we need were to see, very clear. Exactly, we need yes. to see actions. Yes, yes, I, yes. I agree. I agree. Yeah. But I, it, I, I just, I feel as though even if the right quote unquote right decisions are made whatever you think that might be yeah it is hard to i imagine that those people cannot divorce 
that reality of of their situation. Of it, yeah. It's yeah. A, it'd be a factor, even if it is subconscious one. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Look, either way, it's 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 bad, and it's yes. a, it's a it's a question <laughs> of degrees. Well, what's what do you mean recession or inflation? Well, a very modest mm. inflate recession is one thing. A, a bad one is another. Mm. Just as you know. Above target inflation is one thing, and you know, twelve percent inflation sustained for many years yeah, exactly is a disaster. Right. Yes, you exactly. know, so you've, yes, it's, you've, yes. you've you've got to you've got to tread uh, carefully there. And that's the other thing I was just going to say mm. too, in terms of inflation being under control now. What we what we don't know yet is that I mean, everyone's getting more after tax money after the yeah. changes that were made yeah, recently, right. yeah, as well. So that's literally every client- taxpayer, I think, every PAYG taxpayer ends up with more money. On June one, July one, the night they have on June thirty, yeah, yeah. Even even the the very highest taxpayers will be seeing I think three grand extra roughly, and in their in their annual tax, they were expecting six, and now it's three. But you know, everyone mm-hmm. is getting more money, and and in fact, the the more money you give to those that the lower parts of the scale are actually far more likely to spend it as well. So that's another anyway something else something else to watch. Not trying to be negative, but these are this is a moving feast. You can go from hey this is looking pretty good to disaster uh-huh. very quickly and and, yes, and back yes. again. And that's why at the moment there's a range of forecasts for rate cuts. And I think I'm right in saying I think one commentator is saying rate cuts as early as March, literally next yeah. month. Others yep. saying September, November. There's still a couple of lone voices saying rates aren't high enough. I think they can pretty much, even if they're right, they can put this that past year when it comes to uh, what the RBA will do. There's simply no grounds, I don't think, in any reasonable economic orthodoxy. And again, not that orthodoxy is always right, but the reality is these are orthodox economists. They are, yes. you know, given the circumstance, inflation, retail sales, um, unemployment's ticking up. I, I, I think, you know, again, who knows what they will do? I'm not going to make a prediction, but mm. I, you could knock me over with a feather if we haven't seen the peak of rates for this cycle. Um, I don't know when they'll start to come down. If I was a betting man, I'd probably frame a market that favoritism is probably September quarter. July, mm-hmm. August, September mm-hmm. is probably when I'd bet on it. Um, by the way, stage three tax cuts, not only put money in more people's pockets, but also are inflationary by definition. So there's, uh, there's, there's, that, there's that reality we've got to deal with as well. And I, the other thing that'll that'll screw with your brain is the dynamic nature of of markets. Um, <laughs> in the in the sense that I think it's very natural to think, particularly those who are out there looking for a home to buy. Right, you mm. you'll go, oh, thank goodness, interest rates are coming down. That's going to make things more affordable <laughs> for me. Right. And that's I'd right. like, well, that yeah, that's that's a very understandable thought. Except everyone has that thought. Everyone's capacity to borrow more has just increased. And so you have that sort of feedback in where it sort of will normalize to some extent. Um, so, it, it, you know, just, just as a first homeowner's grant is really not going to help you because every first homeowner gets it, it kind of sort of just lifts, lifts the bar for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so it, 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 would be, it would be for those that are trying to fix that problem, and let's not get into it because we've talked it to, about it to death, but I think that's going to make it an added challenge. If we see any reasonable degree of interest rate cuts, it's, it's, going, it's going to make the housing situation worse, not better, counterintuitively. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a good point. Mate, um, speaking, of, speaking of all that, let's go to negative gearing because uh, mm. what we're generally an investing podcast, generally a, a finance podcast, we generally talk about shares. Uh, you have been known to rant about property from time to time. Uh, but dis- despite that, um, or maybe because of it, I'm not sure, uh, there's been reports in the papers 
that the government might, on the back of the stage three changes, maybe they've been emboldened, maybe they've just always wanted to do something, or maybe, I don't know, maybe Treasury Charm has been let off the leash. It's hard to know what's going on. Or well, these could be completely unfounded rumors. They very, very rarely are, let's be honest. Um, the police do this thing called trial balloons. You kind of leak to a journal that you're thinking about something, they report it, and you look at the look at the uh, response and you go, oh, they don't mind that. Let's push ahead. Or, oh, that no, no, I would never have done that. No, I don't know where that leak came from. That's terrible. Scurrilous news. Uh, but my cynicism aside, apparently... Uh, there are at least considerations of changing negative gearing. Uh, I have my views, uh, and I, let's let's keep it about the policy, about the the, the population, uh, rather than the investors themselves. We'll talk about the impact on those, of course. But mm. negative gearing, mate, does, does it is it is it doing a job? Is it necessary? Is it is it a principle that should be applied evenly? Should it come off residential property? Should it come off all property? If you were treasurer for a day, what would you do with negative gearing? Oh, gosh, that's so hard to answer quickly. I mean, one, I don't think it'll ever happen. Like, that is, I know it's being talked about, but, you know, look what happened when they tried to get rid of franking or, or change franking. It is, it is political mm. poison. So, I, I, so it, it's an interesting topic, but I, my, my cynicism prevents me from thinking <laughs> it, it will ever happen. Would you do um, it, though? Let's say you're, you're treasurer for a day. You're, you're a fixed-term yeah. treasurer. You're, you're going to be sacked tomorrow morning anyway. Uh, and today you've got to do things that are good for the long-term health of the Australian economy. Do you, do you I, I keep it, modify it, it, get rid of it? Yeah, okay. I grandfather it because I, I, don't, I wouldn't want to, as much as it may not have been appropriate in the past, at least to the degree mm-hmm. that it's been applied. I mean, yeah. people made decisions based on the expectation that that's, mm-hmm. that was the landscape. So you could, I think you could sort of grandfather it going forward. Um, I think, I, I don't actually mind, I don't, I don't mind being able to claim a loss against your investment. Um, claiming it against a, what other sources of income, I think that's where it gets a little bit, you know, that, well, that, and that's the definition of it, I suppose, negative gearing. But I also, and you know my views on property, I don't think it's the magic yeah. bullet everyone thinks it is. Yeah. Yeah. Will it, is it a factor? 100% it's a factor. Mm-hmm. Will it help improve? things yeah definitely definitely mm. but i don't i don't anyone thinking that you know wow price to income ratios at 13 <laughs> in some of our capital cities are going to go yeah. back to where they were yeah. I, I don't think that's going to happen i don't think it's going to happen i saw your tweet i'll give you some rope here to, to expand on it but <laughs> god yeah but it's i mean you make the right point which is which is what a, a year nine um economic student will understand which is mm. supply and demand and it's just like, until that supply or demand angle yeah. changes. Yeah. It it's it is. A, a, uh, look, I would do it. I would do it. Right for what it's worth. You'd grandfather but I, it. I would grandfather it. Okay. I think it would have a bit of an impact. Yep. But I don't think I don't think it solves the housing crisis. Yeah. Um. I hadn't, I hadn't mentioned. I hadn't meant to go to my my down my entire tweet path. Um. But but I will very quickly, given you mentioned it. I I and you've you've, you've stolen my thunder beautifully because I would do exactly what you just said, mate. I think there is. There is no, the objections, sorry, let me start again. Why is negative gearing a thing? It's a thing because there's a principle in tax that says you should be able to deduct reasonable expenses incurred generating an income. That, that's how- So, so I run a business from home, yep. right? I'm yep. allowed to claim yep. various things. Correct. Because Correct. it's not just the revenue, right? There are, there yes. are costs and- yeah. Right, and you pay, you pay perfectly tax on what's left. Yep. Yeah. And if you make a loss in a year, you you spend yeah you you upgrade the uh, uh, you know um, the throne uh, yeah the throne if <laughs> yeah. you if, exactly <laughs> I was going to go with other things let's go with the throne um, 
and, and you spend that much money on it that it overwhelms your income in a given your revenue in a given year you make a loss mm-hmm. and you can carry forward that tax loss and offset it against future income now yep. in this case as you rightly pointed out uh offsetting uh rental or income investment losses against personal income is an interesting thing to to do so that's where the the company analogy mm-hmm. breaks down a little bit um, but you could have two separate business lines. You could be strawman property and strawman.com and strawman property mm-hmm. makes a loss and gets to offset that against strawman.com as a business, the, the billions of dollars you're, you're raking in on, uh, on that, <laughs> on your private online investment club. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, th- that's, that's not unreasonable. The thing, the, the problem is that you say, why should it be done for residential property? And the only answer I can get from people is twofold. One is, well, it's the principle that applies to everything else that so should apply to property. To which uh, I say, well, that only needs to be a principle that's universal if you choose to make it universal. There's lots of things we do in certain circumstances, like, for example, we exempt our homes from capital gains tax. If it's a principle, then you should be arguing to pay capital gains tax on your home. Are you doing that? Oh, no, no, I'm not doing that. Okay, <laughs> so then what we're saying yes. is principles apply, yeah. right? And that's, and that's okay. Like, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. But people should be at least honest with themselves about what they're saying, which is really, I like it. I'd like to keep it, please. Yeah. The other one is that incentivizes supply. I think that's partly true. Um... But it's like saying, well, hang on, I need to give it a tax break so that people buy woolly shares. So why would you do that? Well, we have to do that. Now, there are tax breaks for startups, for businesses, and often cases, grants and stuff. So there is some reality mm-hmm. there. I would say right now, mate, we are, the incentive for supply is a 0.8% vacancy rate. Mm-hmm. There, are, there, are, you know, there are so many people desperate to get into housing in some way, shape, or form. I'm not sure you need a tax break for that. Now, might you need it at some point in a different economic circumstance? Maybe, 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 maybe. Uh, I just think we take a lot of things for granted as, uh, you know, those kind of the accepted wisdoms. Well, of course we need negative gearing because incentivizes the supply. So, well, okay, well, mm. uh, I, if, if you paid me double to go to work, you'd incentivize me to work too. But mm. the need to put food on the table kind of already gives me a reasonable incentive. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm kind yeah. of okay with that. So yeah, to, to your point, mate, I completely agree. I would stop negative gearing tomorrow. I'd grandfather the existing stuff because I don't think we want to throw people on the scrap heap. Do they deserve protection? Some do, some don't. Um, we've had this conversation before. I, I, I tend to think that most property investors are misled by their accountants and by the general pu- public. And you know, do they deserve to be protected? Deserves a funny word. Uh, mm. Can we afford to protect them and not make their lives terrible? Yeah, I think we probably can. So why don't we? Kind of is my view. And at some point, negative gearing becomes positively geared as rents rise on a fixed level of debt anyway. So mm. you, existing purchases grow out of that either way. Whether your grandfather we say it's a, a five-year or a 10-year thing, it kind of ends up being roughly the same. That said, as you've said, and this is my, my tweet thing very quickly, I don't think it has a meaningful impact on prices. It might bring them down by a couple of percent or stop and go up by a couple of percent because mm. um, it might make a few properties a little bit less valuable or and therefore people pay a little bit less for them. Only for those that are negatively geared, which excludes owner, owner occupiers and those who've already got positively geared property. So it takes a tiny portion of the heat out of the market. That's not a bad thing, by the way. I'd be okay with that personally. Property prices fell 5% overnight. I think we can probably be okay with that. It doesn't make it meaningfully more affordable. There's other issues. And I, we've banged on this. Oh, I've certainly have banged about this before, but I think immigration is the big issue right now because of that vacancy rate I talked about. I think mm. you can do anything else you want, but if you've got less than 1% vacancy rates, people are going to stretch as far as they can and they need to to get to where they need to get to. Supply and demand sets prices. And if you have demand outstripping supply, we've just talked about inflation for 15 minutes. It's kind of where we end up. You end up in the same sort of situation, right? So I don't know. It's, it's not the solution. But it's a it's part of the solution and it makes things better and i think you can you know you don't have, have a silver bullet every time right a few mm. things that make things a bit better 
they're worth doing because they're worth doing. It's, it's, a, it's, a, net, it's a net positive uh, for, for the economy, for the society. It's worth doing. It doesn't, doesn't have to be the only answer or the whole answer or even, even the biggest answer. It's just yeah. part of an answer that actually has a positive outcome, in which case, why would you not do it? Yeah. Anyway, it's not going to happen. I don't know. I didn't think... I, I You know what? I really, really didn't think the government would, would change stage three, I've got to say. So I am... I'll say hopeful. I don't mean hopeful in a political sense. It's not. It's not Labor versus Liberal or current government versus last government or any of that sort of stuff. I, I'm. I'm. Maybe I'm. Um, a bit of faith has been restored. Man. I'm less cynical. I. I honestly, you could have knocked me over with a feather when they announced they're going to make the changes. They've. The, they talked about it. Then walked away. Talked about it. Walked away. Walked away. Walked away. Promised and promised and promised. And they changed. I'm like, okay. I, I, that. That. Speaking of things that wouldn't happen, yeah. I would have put a small amount of money. I would have put. I would have put. If you're offering me a hundred dollar bet. That they wouldn't change stage three, I would have taken the bet and I would have lost my hundred bucks. Put it that way. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wouldn't bet a huge amount of money on it, but I mm, it, there is there is a situation with this where it's, so we've said before, two thirds of, of households um, either own their house outright or are in the process of of paying it off. So you've got two thirds of the population that they're against that are going to be against it. Um, and then a third who would think, oh, that's great. So the people mm-hmm. who, who most jump, we're all self-interested. I know I yeah, am. Totally. Everyone is, right? Yeah, so sort right. of yeah. like the, the people most loudly calling for it are those that think <laughs> yeah. it will, will help. And they're not unfairly, right? right. Like, exactly. and, and, exactly. and, and, and it's not everyone. There are some that are very comfortable, mm-hmm. but will sort of see it as a more uh, a fair society kind of thing. So that's, mm-hmm. that's all good. The difference of the tax flipping on the tax cuts was that everyone benefited. Like you, you annoyed, I think it was like less than 3% of the population yeah. or whatever the number was, right. like a very small right. percent who still get a benefit, just half of one. And then, you know, everyone else who's better off. So I was like, that's an easy political calculus to kind of make. Um, or easier, I should say. Um, so anyway, we'll, we'll find out. We'll find out. I mean, I hope so, but I'm just not going to hold my breath. Yeah, exactly. I might bet a hundred bucks with you as a friendly bet, but I'm not. I'm <laughs> not going to bet ten grand on it. You know, no, I'm not. So I should say I'm not even sure it will happen. I'm not prepared to bet hundred bucks it will happen. I just would have said about stage three. I would have bet against it happening. Oh, I would have too. Um, yeah, I well, summer and I'm, you know, gone. Yeah, well, sorry. Yeah, it, it it turned out that it was. Well, this, this is the lesson, right? You know, the unexpected happens all the time. Correct. Correct. Speaking of unexpected, mate, uh, maybe this is not unexpected. This is totally expected. We've talked about this before. A number in the in the paper, in the Australian, <coughs> excuse me, on Thursday, that the vacancy rates, speaking of vacancy rates, for offices, so, you know, literal commercial office premises, are now at 1990s levels. Speaking of 1990s recession that you mentioned before, 14.8% apparently is the vacancy rate among offices. Now, think about 14.8%, and as always, that's an average number. In other words, someone's yes. below and someone's above. Now, yeah. I'm going to some assume- will be full occupancy and some will be empty right. altogether. Yeah, right. And they're, they're the extremes, but they'll be they'll be the really good properties in the Sydney CBD, the Melbourne CBD, Brisbane, Perth, Adelaide. Don't I'm not, don't at me about your preferred capital city. Um, they're probably at two or three percent occupancy, mm. and also oh, vacancy. Sorry, and so mm. others are going to be at twenty percent vacancy. You know, th- mm. those are the those are the realities of these sort of numbers. And I don't know. It's worth noting for a couple of reasons. One is. I think the flexible work thing continues to roll on. And for all the headlines about people going back to work and so no, we've talked about this a lot. Yeah, well, I think it is, mate. I think it is. And I think the numbers it tell us- It was, it was always going to happen. Right. It just, COVID just accelerated. That's the thing that annoyed. People think that, oh, COVID caused this. It, it was <laughs> in right. train and it was always going to happen. It just, that, yep. that just, yeah, put, put rocket fuel under it. Sorry, go on. It did. It did. It's, <laughs> you know what's really, really- So this is a, this is a tangent- What's really, really funny is people assume businesses are rational, mm-hmm. you know? And so a lot of the responses I get are, 
um, well, if it could have happened, it would have happened anyway, or it would have been happening already, or mm. we couldn't possibly do that because of this. And what it really reflects is managers' own preferences. And I'm not mm. even going to say they're necessarily good or bad. I have my views. But if you put that aside, we couldn't possibly have our staff work from home because it wouldn't work. And then we did it for mm. two years and we went, oh, actually, it works. And so we have to go back to the office because it's not working. So, well, it's kind of working. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's just it's those things that we assume. And man- managers are human, right? And yeah. in good and bad ways. Um, and when we kind of say, well, businesses will be doing this if they did that, it assumes managers are these automatons who always make perfectly rational decisions. Um, <laughs> there are good managers and bad managers. There are some mm. fearful managers and some, some, you know, so, some uh, supportive managers. At The Motley Fool, I've worked from home the entire time I've been at The Fool. Why? Because employee number one was on the Gold Coast. I joined the company as employee number two in Sydney. So <laughs> I was going to move to the Gold Coast and didn't need to. And t- turns out it works. And that's kind of the thing. Now, it doesn't work for every company. There's people listening saying, well, hang on, I've got to go to the, the supermarket till or I've got to go to the work site. Excuse me, I've got to go to the bank branch. I get all that. So again, I'm not saying it's right for everybody. But th- th- to, to imagine that it would snap back for its own sake, well, we've just kind of shown the <laughs> benefits of it for everybody was interesting. So anyway, that's the work from home thing. But the office vacancy thing, mate, I think is real. We, we've, I've, I've talked about this a lot. Um, I think you've done the same. I've said to people, if I had to invest in REITs right now, bulky goods, wholesale and retail, think about uh, the warehouses that Amazon, of which I'm a shareholder, uh, you know, pull stock from or any of the online retailers or multi-channel retailers that have an online business, that's a booming part of the business. Um, if I had to be in retail, I'd be in Westfield or Centre Group. That's the really, really top-end retail. I don't want to be in a B or C-grade retail mall because when people stop shopping in physical retail and go online, it's those little ones are going to suffer most, and we've seen some of that. We saw Godfrey's collapse uh, this week, um, closing <laughs> down after 1931 the business started. Um, the, the I, I chuckle because I wrote an article in 2015 saying suggesting it was good value. <laughs> <laughs> Probably was then. You would, I'm sure you would have sold it at higher prices after that, mate. Uh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, look, <laughs> look. You got to. You got to own your mistakes. <laughs> and uh, I, I read it. I, I read. Oh, I, I heard it on the news and thought, oh, I'm pretty sure. I thought that. <laughs> is it on the interweb somewhere? Yeah, it is. It oh, is, no. and unfortunately, it's under a Motley Fool banner. Because, oh no! Because I was with you guys at the time. We officially disown uh, you from here, here on. Yeah, here. like so. I'll, I'll, I'll own that one. <laughs> but it is. It is. Yeah. A good reminder, this is another topic, but it's a good reminder mm-hmm. of the so-called value trap, which we should talk a little bit later on. Yeah. It looks That's great. Funny. It looks, I was like, yeah, and I do this a lot. It's like, yeah, it's got problems, but look how cheap mm-hmm. it is. You know, it's like it's like the person who's buying the house. It's like, oh, it's, it's only, you know, remember a couple of years ago, <laughs> they were selling a power station for a dollar? That's right. We were like, yeah. oh, I'll buy it. It was like, well, there's a lot of pension liabilities and remediation it. work. Right, exactly. and like, You're buying a liability. Yeah. You might, yeah. you know, that mansion on the hill might only be 10 grand, but it's going to come with a huge amount of like mm-hmm. work that needs to be done. And Correct. Yeah. Correct. So anyway, Get that's, 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 yeah. Shouldn't have mentioned Godfrey's, but go no, on. Fair, fair. <laughs> um, but, and just rounding that out, uh, office, I don't want to be in at all. Um, yeah. I guess if you could find a, a high occupancy office at a reasonable price, you might be interested if that's for some reason has particular, and this is always the case, right? We talk about categories or, or sectors. 
there will be great office buildings and terrible office buildings. Mm. If you're in the middle of the CBD, your rents are reasonable, you're close to amenities, transport, food, maybe those things stay full and people move to yep. there away from those other places. So as always, I'm a massive, massive fan of investing in quality, uh, demonstrated quality. In this case, I, I don't think you'd make me touch offices. Uh, certainly not an office REIT. Um, we love diversification generally, but uh, a bit like we found during the, during the subprime crisis, bundling up a whole lot of rubbish mortgages and saying, therefore, they're diversified is still a terrible investment. Um, uh, if you have an office REIT, gee, I'd, I'd want to know that the vast bulk of the value was in this really, 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 really high-end, I don't mean mm-hmm. high-end in terms of price, just the really desirable uh, yeah. high-occupancy investments because... I don't know. I don't know what will happen, mate. I don't. I'm not going to predict anything. Um, I don't I'll know at some what stuff. point. Well, at what point, you know, 14.8% average vacancy starts to weigh too heavily on the cost base. And I'm talking about debt in particular of some of these businesses. They might get saved by rates dropping, frankly. Um, but yeah, I, I would be very, very careful. Uh, just, just know what you own. Uh, to use one of your phrases, mate. You could. I don't think you could make me buy it. Um, but if I did, I'd want to be really, really sure I knew they could get through and and find a way to get to the right place in time. Yes. And the way that you would do that, or certainly the area you would immediately focus on would be the balance sheet. Yeah. So let's think about, I mean, 100%, you own a you own a, you know, 100 story office block in a city somewhere mm. and, and it's 85% full. Now, that's not great. I mean, I could be making more money. There's all this empty stuff that's there. But it's not existential, right? Mm. Maybe, and, and what a lot of these, uh, a lot of these properties themselves will still be around. It's just a that's pile a of bricks point. and steel. It's, it, that, the, the, it, it the building is, itself, exactly, yes. The yeah. building is not going anywhere. It might need yeah. some refurbishment. I suspect we'll see a lot being converted to different use cases. So in the I city, there'll be more too. residential towers. Uh, you know, you never... Selling residential uh, premises in Australia is good business, right? So I think, I think that's um, I, I, that'll be fine. Whenever you look at the REIT sector, and the GFC mm. was the classic example mm. of this, it yes. is the debt that kills you. Yes, and this is maybe a pointed, you know, remark to be to be said for for other property investors mm. in different sectors is that leverage is a wonderful thing, but we sometimes forget that it cuts both ways. And mm. what undoes these companies and why it is such a risky proposition is that you only have to go from 90% to 85% before all of a sudden you mm. can't meet your interest payments. And then it's not like, oh, gosh, I guess we're earning less than we were hoping for. Or, you know, I'm getting a, a subpar return here. It's like, no, I'm, it's existential. I'm out of business. Mm. And, and I'm, I'm going to be forced seller at fire That's sale right. prices. Yes, That's- the, the asset structure is different from the asset itself. It is always, and, and it's kind of the way for various reasons, because they're very capital intensive assets. It's a lot of money to build one of these towers. Um, and yeah, they last a long time. And yes, you can depreciate and amortize costs over a long period of time. But the cash, the cash put up front is, is, is mammoth and, mm-hmm. and kind of needs to be done with, with, amounts of, with a degree of debt. And because it is seen, rightly or wrongly, as uber safe, the, the level of debt that and the cap, the interest rates that are charged are usually pretty generous. So uh, financial engineers in this space will will push it to the edge. They always do. After a period of complacency and things going well, it's just like it's a game theoretical kind of exercise where <laughs> it's like, right. well, yes, yeah. I'm only going to go up to 70% LVR. Well, I'll go to 75% because I can do this. And you can make the numbers work and it just – right. 
it just doesn't till it doesn't. And you, I'm, I'm not going to look it up now, but we've done it before <laughs> in other pods where you look at some of the GPTs, some of the big uh, yeah. property trusts. I mean, they, 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 were, they survived, but they had to recapitalize, which is a fancy way of saying they had to raise a ton of money and dilute the hell out of existing shareholders to stay Correct. afloat. And they're still not back at those levels, right? It was, was just, it was, a, it was a permanent loss of capital mm-hmm. and a very brutal one. On what, at face level, if you look at the revenue line in terms of the rent coming in, it wasn't, it was, mm-hmm. wasn't great, but it wasn't, oh, really? I'm wiped out under that scenario? So, yeah, I, I, I feel as though that's what I would, I echo your sentiments, but I would, the first thing I would do is look mm-hmm. at the balance sheet. How highly leveraged are they? What go to the notes? What's what are the terms under which they have borrowed? Yeah. You know, when are interest rates? How long are they locked in for? What are they reset to? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, it's mm, the, the building will be <laughs> fine because someone will come in and buy it and turn it into into yeah. into uh, units and and they'll make a fortune off it. Like that's that's actually the time to get involved, right? When when things are all washed out. But I'd be very careful. I'm pretty nervous. I think it's it's a fool's errand to think that that. You know the the trend from working from home is going to reverse. By the way, tangent. Have you seen any of the images coming out for the new Apple headset? No, I have not. I have not. Oh wow! Like augmented reality, like virtual reality yeah, gets right. a lot of the VR, the AR, the augmented reality mm-hmm. stuff. And I want to I want to emphasize here that Apple's really pushing. It's not a gaming thing. It's a productivity thing. Yeah, right. And so all I'm saying, and why I, why I thought of it is, is that the kind of stuff that we we, we could, for the longest time, work from home and, and pre-internet, I guess you could call up on the landline and have a chat. You could have those <laughs> teleconferences, you know, with the thing yeah, in the yeah. middle of the boardroom yeah. table. Yeah. You know, that, that was just laughable, right? But people did it, you know. And then and then we, we got um, email. It's like, well, that makes it even better. And, and then we got Zoom and oh, now it's fantastic. It's not hard to imagine a future, especially when the tech's already beyond the, mm-hmm. the demo phase here. Where it's just sort of like I just put on my helmet. We're all in the same room. We're all looking at yeah. the same thing. When you know, it's just that that is only accelerating that that trend. Mm-hmm. And while there'll be some curmudgeons that are out there, there'll be <laughs> others that think actually this is a huge cost saving for our business. We have happier employees because they're more flexible, mm-hmm. uh, and we save a, a fortune on on rent now. So yeah, we're going to do that. And not all will, yeah. but uh, so yeah. I I I'm with you. I wouldn't I wouldn't be touching it. With a with a ten foot pole, and I say that having had the Godfrey's experience, where the temptation <laughs> will be is yeah. that is that Look you'll go is. like this is no secret what we're talking about. Like it, it is known, right? Yeah, Particularly right. amongst the experts in this, like they everyone yeah. knows the risks that are out there, and that's yeah. why prices are down, and that's why. Oh, this is another another point to sort of maybe elaborate on. Mm. A lot of these things are trading below their net tangible asset value. Why? Because everyone's factored in. In other words, you will, to finish that thought, you will be able to make a case of, yeah, I get Andrew and Scott that it's going to be tough, but look how cheap it is. Well, remember Godfrey's <laughs> um, is, is, is a, not that, you know, sometimes value traps aren't value traps. They're great buying opportunities, but that, that is the risk. Um, I lost my thought. What was the point that came up just then? Um, oh gosh, it's escaped me. How frustrating. Yeah, asset value. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, gosh. Senality. Senality. It's, it's a gentle, it's a gentle slide into, into that. So that I've, I've heard investors discuss this before where it'll be the share. If I was the company, I could sell the properties, pay off all the debt, 
And on a per share basis, it might be $2 each after everything is said and done, net. And yet the shares are trading for $1.70. Mm. In other words, I'm, I'm, getting to, I'm getting to buy you know, $2 for $1.70. It, it's a good bargain. Just be careful of that net, those, those net asset plays because that is based on what those assets are carried at on the balance sheet. And that will be based on uh, a valuer's estimate. The only real test is the market. Like that's what it's worth exactly what the market will pay. Generally speaking, again, it's like with the auditors and asking the barber if you need a haircut. That that you will generally, I would say, there's more of a bias to to assume a, a loftier price than is reasonable. Mm. Um, you know, but even without even without sort of that 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 was that was done a year ago, mm-hmm. and or could have been up to a year correct, ago. Correct. Could, could have been even longer. Right. And it may not be real. And maybe it, maybe, maybe it, even if in an isolated situation it is reasonable, is that a reasonable scenario when a lot of other stock is coming on the market because a lot of other people are having issues? Mm-hmm. In other words, the, the, the carrying value of those properties might be extraordinarily different to what it would in reality be if you had to liquidate it tomorrow. So you're thinking it's like, well, they're in all kinds of trouble, but I'm, I'm, I'm getting a dollar for less than a dollar. It's like, maybe not. <laughs> yeah. So just be careful. Yeah. Or, or by the way, it actually might turn out completely fine. I think that's the, the the challenge is what is it likely to be worth over time? Uh, maybe the the discount is already factored in because even though it's a you know a big discount, the property prices will fall by that much. In which case, still fair value, which is not the yeah. worst thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Don't fill your boots with it. Be careful of the risks. But also, as you mentioned, the balance sheet, mate. I'd only add to the balance sheet the income statement, but for the same reason, which is yep. the cost of that debt uh, as a proportion of of the profit you're otherwise making. Is important because if the revenue line falls and the interest expense doesn't fall, that's where you go. You know, the balance sheet will tell you the size of the exposure. Mm. Um, the income statement will tell you the degree to which or how close you're selling to the wind to make good on that exposure. And those two, it's why we have multiple statements, right? The combination of those two combined, yeah, combination combined is the same thing. Uh, those two statements combined is uh, it t- tells you the story. How, how much how much risk am I taking? How much leverage is there? And how likely am I to be able to meet those repayments as and when they fall due? Oh. Vacancy is a vacancy number. Realistically, though, what vacancy really is simply telling you is how much rent am I foregoing because I can't put bums on seats in those offices? Yeah. And the answer is my revenue will fall or maybe not because it might already be down. And that's the other thing, by the way, we're looking backwards. So if these numbers just say, well, yeah, thanks, Sherlock, it's already in the revenue numbers and I'm still you know, multi- paying on that interest bill multiple times over, then we're sweet. Yeah, but if you see that vacancy rate grow, revenues fall, interest rates doesn't, the interest cost doesn't change, then you doesn't take much imagination to work out what happens if you if you if your sales fall but your expenses stay the same. At some point, those lines cross over, and you got a lot of debt and not enough cash to pay the bill. You, you beat me to it. That, that's Sorry, so we've mate. talked about leverage, um, but there's the operating leverage, which again it it, it will it will catch you, it has the potential to catch you by surprise. Yes. Because, um, I mean, think about it in terms of like our own situations with with borrowing money to buy a house. I buy a million dollar house, I put a 10% deposit down. So I put it down a hundred grand, you know, $900,000. It doesn't, have, it, you know, it only has to fall a hundred grand that property, 10%, I'm yes. wiped out in terms of, of my equity. Mm-hmm. And you will find the same thing because the, fisc- the fixed costs of that asset aren't going to change radically. So you can have scenarios where a 5% dip you know, you wouldn't even call it a fall. You'd use, you'd use the dip um, or, or pullback or whatever adjective you sort of want to use there. Yeah. And, and, 
And all of a sudden I'm, I'm making a loss and unable to meet my interest repayments. So you don't think that you need to see these massive drops in, in, in rents before things get hairy, which is why, yeah, you're right. Look at the balance sheet, look at the income statement, model it out, just get a basic spreadsheet. Here are the fixed costs. Here's the revenue line. How, how much do I have to lower it before we get to zero profit? You know? Anyway, it's uh, no, it gets, it gets be it careful gets out there quickly. Also too, just really quickly on that one, if vacancy rates improve, in other words, they fall, uh, you get higher occupancy. That's great. Just be mindful of what they've had to do to get there. Oh, uh, <laughs> yes. Oh, our vacancy rate's gone from 15 to 10%. Like, oh, that's great. Uh, we have to drop our rent by, you know, 25% per square foot. It's like, okay, now we're talking a different thing again. So yep. again, oh, and the reverse is also true. I'm not trying to be too negative here. I just want to, I just want to mention that, uh, you know, plenty of companies are trying to push workers back to the office. And maybe this isn't a deal. Maybe the future is brighter. Maybe we've, maybe we've, we've, we've picked the bottom beautifully. Uh, you know, maybe we have the contrary indicator here. Uh, but the numbers in the Australian suggest that vacancies are growing, not shrinking on average. Just be just be careful of that because, um, you know, they say since the early 1990s, Centro Property Group is a business that uh, you may have heard of that yeah, investors were massively, massively wiped out, became federation centers, then vicinity centers, I think. Yep. Uh, probably old enough now that you shouldn't draw too many parallels between the two. Managers probably changed half a dozen times. I think yep. sometimes those sort of businesses, corporate histories are, are unfair or unkind because just because you happen to be the, the inheritor of that stuff doesn't mean it's run the same way. Uh, so I'm not saying anything about vicinity particularly, just using that as the example of the 1990s collapse that really did you know, uh, wreck, wreck a whole lot of people because the structure was inappropriately managed, not the assets themselves, which are completely fine and continue to this day. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So j- just just be careful out there. It is. It is. It is. All, I I do bristle a little bit when I hear people talk about different asset classes and the rest, and they'll tend to say, "Oh, but this is lower risk." Because yeah. when all else being, I mean, it, do, it tends to be the kind of area where nothing happens for a long, long, long time, and then every and all of a sudden something massive happens. And it, again, it's the maths that throws that can really throw you out with with all of this stuff. So. Oh, oh the, the other thing I was going to mention too is, I mean, everyone's different. Um, so you have to look at it on a case-by-case basis. But we've, well, sure. and the entire media has been long discussing this mortgage cliff, mm-hmm. uh, which we're only about halfway through, by the way, yeah. uh, in Australia. But there is a similar phenomena potentially at play here. That's a good point. Where, yep. You know, and I know in the US, there is definitely some issues there as well, where a lot of these developers um, and managers of these properties locked in uber low interest rates for a long mm-hmm. time. And in some cases, like, you know, might be locked into 2028. But at some point, that's going to reset to potentially higher rates. And so there is that. That's that's why I say when you look at the balance sheet, absolutely. But then look at the note associated with the borrowings <laughs> line right. and just see yeah, what yeah, is the yeah. nature, what yeah. is the caliber of that debt? What does the structure look like? When does it reset? What interest rates right are you paying now? Yeah. Because everything else holds steady. And all that happens is you go from, well, we were paying 3%, now we're paying 5%. And again, mm-hmm. so what? Does that seem like much? Well, it could be. It could be the difference between life and death. So- well, you got your work cut about, out for you. Think about debt, right? So if it goes from three to five, that's a 66% increase in your interest yes. repayments. Because Doesn't most, sound most like companies it. aren't paying back the principal, right? So they're paying back just the interest. So the cost to the company is a 66% increase. Now, if debt is, and take, uh, and I don't, I'm not, I want to be careful, I'm not linking the absolute numbers here with the example, right? So this is not about transurban at all. Are these, are not, these are made up numbers. But let's say you're transurban or someone like that. Debt is your largest, single largest cost. If your single largest cost was to increase by two thirds and you might get an inflation linked increase in revenue of 5%, 
I don't know. You do the numbers, as you say, Ram. 5% yep. increase in, in revenue, two-thirds increase in interest cost. If it's your biggest cost, and yeah, again, I don't want to cast too many aspersions on transurban, so let's not talk anymore about that. Uh, Sydney Airport's now no longer listed, so let's use that as an example. If Sydney Airport was listed with a massive amount of debt, uh, which it was for a while, and that debt gets more expensive, uh, you, you put up price a little bit because you can, but you can't put them up mm-hmm. too much, mm-hmm. that P&L changes really, 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 really fast. That's why... You know, leverage, as they say, as Buffett said, is the only way a smart guy can go broke. It, it magnifies your gains in the good times, mm-hmm. magnifies your losses. If it starts to go badly, that that the slope <laughs> on that curve gets really ugly really quickly. Yep. Yep. And again, regardless of commercial or industrial property, the same is true in, in another yep. sector of the property market. I'll just I'll leave it there. <laughs> just leave it there. I'll let it hang. Thank you, mate. <laughs> Uh, it's nice to know you haven't changed, Ram. Uh, will, will you, in that in that vein, join me on Sunday for a mailbag? I always look forward to the mailbag. Absolutely. Me too. Yep. Until then, as Ram says, let's be careful out there and fool. <laughs> yeah, cheers. Trade carefully. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services licence 400691.